Hello there. This is your Sports Memo Podcast. Coming to you on the bill of www.acsports.com. This is a periodic podcast that gives you the best of analysis and enlightenment about sporting topics around the globe. But this particular edition is going to be the first for this FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Yes, 32 nations are gathered and converged on the land of Qatar, the oil-rich Middle Eastern Gulf state, and that's where they'll be competing over the next 30 days for the most coveted prize in world football. It is the FIFA World Cup, the very first edition to be held in the Middle East and the last edition that will have 32 nations. My name is Fisayo Dairu. I'm the chief football writer of ACLSports.com and I will be your host throughout the editions of the your sports member podcast for this particular competition. This, this night, I'm going to be joined by fantastic, a group of fantastic individuals. We've managed to gather them together from across the globe. They are all Nigerians on the pod tonight. Perhaps as the competition go on, we'll be having people from outside the country. But just to give you a feel of the touch of the FIFA World Cup, we've selected them from across some parts of the world, from Nigeria to Europe into America. And of course, we have a sports journalist more than one sports journalist, actually, but we have more importantly a current international footballer. We have Azubike Okechuku, the former under 23 captain of Nigeria. Thanks for joining us all the way from Istanbul, Turkey, Okechuku. Thank you very much. Thank you. So good to have you. And uh, let me also introduce from Lagos, Nigeria. Ufoma Egbamono is a big name journalist. We heard of news that Nigeria Info. So good to have you, Ufoma. Good evening, Sisaya. Good evening, everyone. Yes, I also have joining us here. Temitayo Ojo. I was going to call out Joe with that. That was a maiden name. She was a former journalist here in Lagos, Repa, and the IT. Now she's based in the United States of America. Thanks for showing your important duties aside just to be with us on the pod today. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And also we have a journalist and administrator. He's a big gun when it comes to La Liga's operations in Nigeria and in Ghana. He's Ayodeji Beiru. Good evening to you, Beiji. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good evening, Pisayo. It's good to be on the podcast. All right, um, without much ado, a reminder that the first game, the first ball has been kicked after a colorful and glamorous opening ceremony. Host Nation Qatar put up a performance that, that was a complete contrast to the opening ceremony. And they went down 2 0 to Ecuador. The South Americans running out 2 0 with Scotty of Enna Valencia's first half break. So let me start with um, Azubike because. Quite recently, you played against Ena Valencia in Turkey. Now, 2 0 to Ecuador. Are you surprised with the scoreline? And um, for Valencia, he was the only player on the pitch with the World Cup experience and he delivered the goods. What kind of player is he, is he actually? Yeah, first of all, I, I don't think I am surprised, you know, with the, with the result. 
Um, we've, we've always known that, um, I don't want to say this, but Qatar is not um, a football country anyway. So to say I'm surprised that I am not, you know. And um, talking about Valencia, I think he's a fantastic player. We, we've seen what he can do even in Turkey here. Yeah? I think in this season, he's the highest goal scorer also in the league. He's been doing fantastic. He's been playing very good. He's a strong player. He's the kind of guy that runs behind the defenders and all that. So, and with his experience today, you can see what he brought to to his team. You know, so I think um was a good performance from him, also from his other teammates and all that. So, for me, it was a good game for him today. And he's a fantastic player, very good player, strong. He runs very good. He's always with the ball, trying to run, find spaces. So. And this is all I have to say. Thank you very much, Azubike. Let me move to Ufoma. Yeah, Qatar, I've been in camp for about six months now. That felt like a pack of badly arranged cards against a team that barely regrouped just over a week ago. What was our difference so huge like that, Ufoma? Um, to be very honest, I wasn't surprised with the results. Um, I was just shocked at the performance. It was it was horrible. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine that really that team stayed six months together in camp, you know, because they could barely pull off four or five um, strings of passes together. It was shocking. And um, I literally didn't really watch the second half. I was actually pressing my phone. You know, because the first half was really abysmal. I just told myself there's really nothing here. Um, well, but at the end of the day, they are really not a football nation, like Azubike said. Um, but you would think that, you know, with the kind of preparations they've had with the home support, at least some, some form of effort, you know, or show some form of tactics. Yes, the talent might not be there, but at least hard work can, you know, uh, um, pull you through a little bit, but I didn't see enough hard work from them. It was just a shocking performance all around. Yeah, let me come to DG now. Where do they go from here? The US Nation, they've lost to Ecuador. Their next game will be against uh, the Netherlands. Um, it will be against Senegal, I beg your pardon, and before facing the Netherlands in the last group game. Only South Africa, where the host, the, the, South Africa were the only host nation not to advance from the group stage in recent years or in many years. Do you think Qatar will follow them? Uh, at this stage, yes. You can bet your money on that. Uh, I was going to reference South Africa, and I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, the opening game of South Africa 2010, South Africa actually got a draw against Mexico. And if I remember correctly, I think they won the last group game against France as well. So they got four points from that group. It just was not enough to get them out of the group. Having said that, um, I agree with Azubiki and Ufoma that Qatar is probably not a footballing nation. But don't, don't forget that they, they won the Asia Cup in 2019. They defeated Japan in the final. And they've been camped for six months. I think what went against them today was how the game started. In the first three minutes, they considered the goal that was eventually ruled out. I think the occasion got to them. I think from that point on, it was it was game over, really. Because look at the goalkeeper. I was seeing comments online. People are saying, oh, this is a farmer. That goalkeeper has 80 caps for Qatar. You cannot have 80 caps for any country in the world, except maybe for the Oceania anyway. 
if he had not have descent. But somehow he let the occasion get to him. He had no business coming to to the edge of the of the six to to chase to chase a ball, and he jumped twice. He missed. Then a goal came in, and of course. Even though the goal did not stand, but from that point on, you could see that whatever tactics, whatever game plan, Qatar came into that game with, it was that point ended in the third minute. And of course, in the 15 minutes, um, Anna Valencia eventually scored the opening goal, and it was game over. I, I, it was a very flat performance. I, I don't even recall the Ecuadorian goalkeeper making any save. I could have played in goal for them. I, I could have played in goal for them today. <laughs> And the scoreline will still have been 2-0, you know. So, it, it will only get tougher for them from here on. They will probably get, they will, not probably, they will definitely get bashed in by Netherlands, who are a much better team than Ecuador. And, of course, in the in the last game, they get to play, uh, they get to play Senegal, by then they are probably home and dry. I, I think I probably have to drop out very soon. I, I have another meeting starting now. Anyway. No problem. Um, thank all you very right. much, Dave. Uh, let me cross over to you now, Timitayo. It wasn't all doom and gloom for Qatar on the opening day, if you're going to be sincere with ourselves, because we had um, a very fantastic opening ceremony, which I saw that you yourself, you loved, um, with one of the the musicians, the artists you liked, John Cook in performance. Um, what do you make of that um, colorful opening to it? And um, at, uh, was that at least something the locals could share about, despite the bad performance on the pitch? Oh, well, you are so spot on, because I was just about to say that I find the um, opening ceremony <laughs> more fun, you know, than the um, actual game, because it was not just it. It wasn't. And you can't call them as, you know, um, the other speakers have said, Qatar is not just a footballing country, period. But Ecuador, just like the rest of the, you know, Southern American countries, be it Brazil, Argentina, this is their thing. So even with their eyes closed, without even camping for six months, they will get on there and still hold the line. Qatar didn't even hold one line. So, that's like the other person's second half. I just wished that I was doing something else. Um, and here's the thing. If they play Ecuador this way, they're facing Senegal next, and they're also facing um, Netherlands. Like, oh, it's just going to get worse. I don't want to be like, prophets of doom. But 2-0 is still fair, because I... See Senegal, you know, um, scoring more goals. I see Netherlands scoring more goals. Maybe that's just me. So, this is just a taste of what they're about to get. So, that's just my own All right. <laughs> as long as they give us um, a befitting hosting, um, that will, will do for many of us, I want to say. So, let's get, move on to, to mo- on Monday, to be precise, we have three games. So, the matches now come thick and fast after the solitary game played on opening day. And one of Africa's five representatives, the Teranga Lions of Senegal, will be in action. And, of course, it will be against Agwebe, the toughest team in that Group A. And that is uh, the Orange Boys of the Netherlands. That match comes up at 5 p.m. in Nigeria. And the African champions will be without the talismanic forward, Sadio Mane, who has been ruled out of the competition. That takes us to the next point. We quickly want to explain what could be the likely opportunity or likely chances of African teams in this competition. Let me start with Azubike once again. Um, you, you, of course, you played against a lot of African teams. 
both at underage and um, senior level. Now, we have Senegal. We have three teams from North Africa, actually. Senegal, Morocco, Tunisia. And we have two in Sub-Sahara, Ghana and Cameroon. Who among these teams do you think will fly highest for the African continent? Um, we, I think in, in Africa, we, we have a lot of footballing nations. You know, and then we have um, Senegal who's representing Africa. We also have um, Ghana, you know, with good players, you know, around the world, especially for Senegal. And they have a very good team. They wouldn't be, they would be without um, without money who's been injured. But then they have other players that can, you know, spring up surprises and all that. You know, so for me, I, I, I'm going to give it to the, the Senegalese. A very good team. I, I will not try to say that Ghana is not, you know, they they are not, you know, very good or they don't have good players, you know. But I I am I'm thinking from the game they played against Nigeria. I don't know. I didn't watch the last game they played with the one in the friendlies. But I think they are not um, a very strong side, you know, you know, to compete in the World Cup. They're, they're a very good country. They're a big country, footballing country. But then in this World Cup, I wouldn't want to say the Ghanaians are there. We also have Cameroon. You know, they have a very good team. They have a very good team. They they are being backed with Samuel Leto, who's also a very good player when he was playing. And right now he's, um, you know, the the president of the federation, the football federation. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, because he's there, because he knows the politics and he knows everything, how to also make the players, you know, play to, to you know, to the, to the level they should play. You know, so I'm thinking also these people can bring surprises. For me, I think the Senegalese will go further than any African team. All right, thank you very much, Azubike. Um, uh, without begging a question, much, much further. Maybe let me tilt it a little bit. Um, let's, let's take a look at some other countries um, in Africa, because a lot of Africans also agree that the Senegalese hold the, the best chance or the brightest chance. Uh, let me ask you now, from a Ghana, like uh, as we was trying to mention, yes, they won their last game against Switzerland. But look at that group. They are in. They have Portugal, they have Uruguay, they have South Korea. That seems like the group of death for me. Do you see the Black Stairs uh, surviving that group? Sorry, that question is for Ufoma. Can you hear me? Perhaps since we... Yeah, I can hear you. Actually, okay, I can hear you. Okay. I, put my, I put my mic on mute earlier, sorry. Um, oh. I will start with Babele, first of all. Uh, they should not come out <laughs> of that group. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't. Um, but on a more serious note, um, I do not think, I do not think that the Ghanaians have what it takes to come out of that group. And this is me not being, this is not bad Belen now. Um, realistically looking at that Ghanaian side, um, from what I have seen, I didn't watch your last friendly, you know, but from what I saw uh, months ago, I, I don't think, you know, that they actually have what it takes. I would um, I would rather think that, that uh, Morocco you know, and uh, Cameroon, you know, stands on some little bit of chance in their own group. For Ghana, um, I don't know what's going to come off, you know, their game against Uruguay. They've been talking about, I saw some again on TV yesterday, you know, talking about how 
Uh, that's a revenge match for them, you know, grudge games. Really <laughs> from what, after what we saw at the 2010 World Cup, you know, that yeah. last minute and all of that. But um, South Korea, the Koreans um, are quite good. They might not have all the talent in the world, but they're a very compact side, you know, um, and they can give you a run for their money. I do not also see them getting anything against them. Um, Um, Portugal. So to be very honest, I think Ghana will not get out of the group. If I'm looking at um, the other groups, I think apart from apart from um, Brazil in in Group G, Cameroon, you know, on, on their day can you, you could argue can um, stand toe to toe with the other two True. guys. Talking about Switzerland and mm-hmm. Serbia, yeah, and, all, yeah. and they're playing Brazil on the final. Last, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so they've got. Uh, two opportunities, you know, to mm. get good results against teams mm. that you could argue are almost on the same um, yeah. level as them. You, mm. you feel mm. me? You know, for Morocco, Morocco, as far as I'm concerned, also, are, um, yes, Croatia uh, might look like one of the um, top teams, but I don't think that we're going to see the, the same Croatia that we saw four years ago. I don't think they are mm. that Um, strong enough. So if Morocco, you know, can get good results, you know, get a good result against them, there's every chance they should be able to beat Canada, you know, even if they lose to Belgium in the other game. So I'm I'm looking more at the Cameroonians and the Moroccans, apart from Senegal, you know. Yes, Senegal, a big, big miss, um, Sadio Mane, big miss. It's not for... Um, for a little reason that he's the second best player in the world about the run-up, you know, in the Ballon d'Or. Um, but Senegal themselves have struggled for goals, you know, even with, even with um, Sadio Mane in their ranks, you know. Mm. But they're they very compact defensively. At least that one is for, um, um, is, is, what, is what I know. They, they can, you know, defend very, very well. I think tomorrow's mm. game will really tell us what, to expect from Senegal. If they can hold their own against the Netherlands side, who, by the way, are not in the same class as the the class of 88 or the class of 92 or even the class of 98, this, this Netherlands side, never mind what their, their manager, uh, you know, talks about. I, I think I heard him earlier today or yesterday saying that um, this this side he has right now is better than the side from 2014 that went all, went all the way to the semifinals. I don't know about that. Uh, if Senegal can hold their own against them in the first game, I think Senegal stands the chance because they will they will definitely beat um, Qatar black and blue in their second game. You know, Hopefully. that might you, you, that might give them the foundation to play um, yeah. Ecuador in the final game. Okay, um, thank you very much for my Bamono, the head of news, Nigeria for Lagos. Now, Timitayo, moving on to the expectations for this tournament. You are based in the United States. They missed the last World Cup in Russia. Now they are back among the big guns. But there are a lot of news. Uh, uh, some, some call it propaganda against the Middle East from the Western media. So what was it like in, among Americans? Um, are they scared for their team safety, so to say? And um, are they even uh, optimistic of good results from the team led by Captain America, Christian Pulisic? I'm so glad you asked this question about, you know, this um, human rights thing and everything, the Western country. I won't just say um, United States, only even, you know, Europe have been on about. And I am so, so glad that, you know, Gianni, in fact, you know, which I don't oftentimes agree on, 
you know, we think he does. But yesterday, what he said, I like the way he's being defensive because oftentimes the West go on this lecture about the human rights and all those stuff, and at times you don't even look inward. And a good example was, you know, this Britney Griner situation in Russia, you know, and they were going on mm-hmm. and on, like, sorry to divert a bit, um, that she was in prison there. And that's the same offense you commit in the U.S. You can't bring something like that here. You will go to jail for that. So why are we on Russia's neck for doing that? So it's just the total hypocrisy of the West. Even the alcohol stuff, there are some stadiums there you still can't take in alcohol because they believe that, okay, you can wild out. So it's just a West thing. I don't know how to say it. I don't even know how to explain because this has been existing way before time. You know, they want to be the um, moral compass of the world without looking inward. Yes, sure. Improvement could be made about the human rights stuff. No one, you know, like the fact that um, play, um, sorry, I said players, workers were dying, you know, constructing um, the stadium. But you should know the time to criticize and know the time to fall back. You know, this, the match was starting like, or the game was starting like a week. We've been on for about two years, three years, talking about this human rights, talking about everything. And a week to just celebrate these players. It's like the Olympics too in China. Going on and on about it. They don't, don't know when to stop. Anyway, that being said, this criticism has nothing to do with football, if you ask me. It's just the politics of the world. So, um, with what Gianni said yesterday, I like that he's putting the focus back on football. Those that unite. So, that is what is important. So, now, talking about the U.S. team missing out on um, Russia 2018, <laughs> they got the yeah. fact for that because, on the contrary, the women are excelling. They qualify for probably every World Cup. They win. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, was <laughs> generated more controversy because the captain Megamaxino and then President Trump were on it. You know, they were going <laughs> having a few back and forth. So yeah. it was a mess. It was a mess. So that kind of viewing um, you know, um Americans' attention to football. I think that's kind of, you know, because everyone was talking about it. So now the news is okay, you guys missed out. And what made it more that what make what gave it more national recognition now is the ruling of the Supreme Court about equal wages that these girls keep playing but they're not getting paid as the guys have not even qualified and all that and the guys are paying um are earning more without doing nothing so without ruling nowadays they renewed attention that okay this is the first time to showcase yourself talking about this let's see what you've been doing you know all the money you've been making more than the girls that have been winning the world cup and all that so there's immense pressure on the guys number one because of the pay gap and number two after COVID, no one really have a pulse of where the team is. They've not qualified in a while. Then there was COVID. Mm. So this is really a measurement to know where everyone is. However, attention will be on, as you rightly said, your own boy, <laughs> Christian Pulisic. And these other guys yeah. that play for Seattle, uh, Seattle Sounders here, I'm just um, learning more about them as a go. And that's um, Rodan and Jordan Morris. But above all, mm. Tim Rim is the guy to watch out for. That's the Fulham defender. Tim Rim. Is the guy to watch out for. That's what the police have been saying. So I can't wait to see that. And um, this should be fun. Hmm. Uh, um, Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just wanted to add my a little bit of um, thoughts on the whole um, outrage, you know. Yeah. Um, see, like I always tell anybody who cares to listen, all of us are hypocrites. Let's not even, you know, let's not let's not beat around the bush um on one on one hand if we go back 12 years ago or thereabout when um when this this um hosting rights was given to qatar qatar ideally on on a norm 
should not have gotten the hosting rights. Um, the technical team, you know, FIFA's technical team did not give them that much of past marks. Um, we've all heard the stories and all the allegations as much as Qatar, you know, have denied it. Um, but the allegations, you know, um, are there for everybody to see about on the hand tactics, you know, that went into ensuring that they secured yeah. um, the hosting rights. And from that day, it became a problem. In fact, I was watching, uh, I was watching FIFA's uh, the FIFA uncovered documentary just yesterday. I finally found time to watch it. You know, and I think it was the former FIFA um, Secretary General Jerome Valky who was saying, um, I think whether it was him telling Sir Blatter the former prime or Blatter telling him immediately that uh, vote was cast and they announced it that ah we are in trouble. You know that we are seriously <laughs> in trouble. Because they knew, they knew that um, on a normal day, based on what was on ground, based on preparations, based on the bids, you know, that were put in place, Qatar should not have won it. But they eventually did. And so that outrage started. Um, to be fair to Qatar, you know, they've gone, they've gone on, you know, and made all the best preparations, employed yeah. whatever needs to be done. They've done... I, I saw the opening ceremony today and my first, my tweet was, wow, wonderful public relations. Because it's not so easy to pull off a Morgan Freeman, you know, to come um, 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 be or uh, be one of the, you know, the, 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 the main man on, on this yeah. global stage, you know. But yeah. then again, then again, the hypocrisy of, of the Western world, it feels like uh, the World Cup should just be a Europe versus um, South America or North American thing, you know, you shouldn't go anywhere else. It was the dream from Jao Havelon up, up until the blaster that no, this this World Cup needs to go around. It was a bit of a problem, in fact, when he was supposed to come to South Africa. Remember, South Africa was supposed to host in 2006. It didn't work, which made FIFA say, okay, you know what, all Africans, the bees will only come from Africa. And that's how he came to Africa. Yes, maybe on the hand tactics may have gone into it, but on our first commodity, you want the log where your eye first before you try um criticize another person. But then again, the hypocrisy I'm talking about, even from the Qatarians, they knew that this World Cup, you know, uh, is being sponsored by a beer brand. They waited until two days or thereabouts to the event. To now tell the yeah. world that no, you cannot you cannot um, drink beer, you know, in That's and around the stadium. Yeah. Come on, come on. Why, why wait? Why wait till that? And for me, I think that this would most likely make it almost impossible that another Arabian country, possibly Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or any of the rich uh, or Bahrain, any of the rich Arabian countries, the possibility of them hosting the world again will be next to nothing because I'm very certain people will remember that people will remember the experiences, you know, going on to, into this twenty twenty two World Cup. So if I can add more to what you just said, which is really on point and this is where um I want the conversation to go, talking about this hypocrisy eventually. Everybody has been talking about, oh, the cost of all the stuff. I think Kara even have um a stadium that's gonna be uh, brought down after the old thing, like a temporary yep. stadium. So I remember Brazil, you know, they had their election recently and one of the things that came up like, oh, all the stadiums they built for, you know, such so-so and so old things. 
now is wasting their hungry. Even during the World Cup or whatever they hosted recently, there was protest on the street. I don't know if you remember that, that we don't have yeah, enough money for the economy. But here you guys yeah. are, you know, building stadiums and all that. So now, for Qatar, they have this oil money to sludge. So once we rather give it to a country that has extra to spend and waste and what have you, that would barely cost the economy nothing, they will host it comfortably and no one is protesting on the street that we're hungry. Then, okay, let's make it go around Europe and what have you, or Brazil or whatever. I have people protesting that. We are hungry. And you're wasting over uh, maybe $5 billion on this. So what is it going to come to? Because this hypocrisy is like, okay, we want it, but we don't want to spend our money. Okay, they're corrupt, their morale is, you know, entangled, but they have the money to sludge and they can still to an extent, you know, live up with the expectations of governing body, be it FIFA or Olympics. So where's this conversation going to go? Give it to countries that can really afford it and, you know, reach middle ground with them on some certain things, you know, your expectation and all that. Or, oh, let's stay away from these countries and go to countries that are hungry. Their citizens are barely, you know, in poverty and say, oh, because they have um, good morals and all that, we give it to them. So it's something I want us to keep in the um, in the public sphere to discuss constantly where Austin rights should go. Those with extra change or those with the right morals? Hmm. Quite uh, illustrating comments from my guests on today's edition of your Sports Memo podcast coming to you from the table of acsports.com and it's going to run throughout this World Cup season. Now, to talking about this competition, let me come to the current footballer among us, Azubiko Kechuku. Yeah, he was um, a key member of the Nigeria on a, on a 23 team that won bronze at the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro in 2016. He was the captain before relinquishing his uh, band to John Obi Mikel, so effectively the vice captain. Now I want to ask you this important question that a lot of people have talked about this tournament as well. It is coming in the middle of the season. Now, yeah. players have played so many games. This is the first time that all the group stage games in all UEFA competitions have been concluded by November. And it's not just November, by early November. So which means players have got to play, they have had to play a lot of games. I'm asking you this question because I remember how stressful it was. Your opening game in Manaus, Brazil, <laughs> when you had to, to re-Nigeria yeah. didn't go to Brazil the same day, like maybe less than six hours before kickoff. And you guys won. So are we going to see the effects of this fatigue on the players? Yes, we've been seeing withdrawals here and there, Karim Benzema, the latest one. Are we going to have the effect of this fatigue on players or the spirit of um, competing for your country or eventually winning something on the international stage? Will it overcome this sort of fatigue or stress on the physical body? Yeah, um, really, it's going to be much on the players, you know, the fatigue and everything. Not easy, you know. Uh, from my team, for instance, we played, I think, 26 games already, you know, from all competitions before. The wow. World. Yeah, so it, it's not easy. You can see a lot of players are, are injured already. Karim, Karim Benzema, the latest among them that has gone out, that's no more going to play in the World yeah. Cup. A player like that, yeah. we cannot say the World Cup, you know. Uh, um, it's because of uh, um, the fatigue, a lot of games, you know. Football now is science. You. There's a lot in place to get you 
okay, you know, to, to keep you fit, to keep you, you know, relaxed and all that, you know, but um, in the end, or at the end is, is the human body. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, fatigue, uh, you know, I, I believe the players, like the World Cup is the, is the biggest footballing tournament in the world. Everybody wants to be in the World Cup. You know, I, I think it's going to help the players also, you know, mentally, you know, to want to perform, you know, in the top level, in the best, you know, where they can perform best. In the, at the end, it's going to affect them because it's, it's a lot of game already. It's a lot of game. Players are getting injured. Players are going to get injured. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to sound like a prophet of doom or whatever, but I, I think this, this tournament in the middle of the season is not, it's not good. A lot of players are playing it. You know, it will affect the body. You have to play more games. The players now that are in the World Cup, you have other players that are not in the World Cup, you know, you're going to take your rest in this time. But then, if you're playing in the World Cup, and if you've been playing in Europe, playing 26 games, for instance, if you are in the World Cup, you are going to play in your team maybe every game. And then playing in the World Cup also, after these games, is dangerous also. You know, they try to, you know, push the, the, the body, you know, to do more, you know, to try to be at the best. But in the end, it's going to affect, it's going to cause problems for the, the performance. It's going to be a problem for, for the game itself. The World Cup itself, we, I think we're not going to see the best because it's in the middle of the season. It's difficult. It's difficult for the body. The players, we have players that are over 30 years that are competing mm. in this tournament. So also, age is a factor now, you know. So mm. for me, mm. I think it's a lot. It's a lot. The FIFA, the football governing body and everything, they are making it, you know, it's, it's politics now. It's politics. But then we will see if the players are going to perform well, if they are going mm. to perform in the best way they can perform. But I think it's going to be not good, really. Mm. Thank you very much. I guess that's informed um, when Qatar were playing Ecuador in the first game. Man um, of Valencia, I think he's 33 now. He went off a yeah. couple of times after what looks yeah. like he no know, injuries, really. Um, he no know, challenges, I want to say. So perhaps we are gradually getting to see some of these things. And um, let's just hope that however it is, it, do, it doesn't significantly water down the quality of the competition. Yeah, I'm going to stay no, with Azubike. Okay, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly. You can see from Ena Valencia, he played almost all the game for Fenerbahce. Yeah, wow. and now he's playing in the he's playing in the World Cup in today also, and he went out how many times you know you know to get his body mm. all right. It was the same when we went to Brazil, you know, few hours to the game. I, I can mm. remember um, at about sixty five minutes we were all gone dead. Mika mm. was like, mm. oh, Azua, ah, I don't tire, you know, and he went <laughs> and he was like, Azu, I don't finish, I don't finish, you know. The weather was hot, everything. Wow. The same weather now, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I do, I do, I don't think I'm tired. A lot of players also. The table was trying to push. I was trying and all that. Mikel, I think around 70, 73 minutes or whatever, he went out. They took him out because he was dead. So it's the same. Fatigue is going to tell on the players. Even if you have everything in place to, to keep you all right, to make you feel relaxed, it's going to tell on the players. All right, thank you very much. Um, like I was going to say, yes, I'll still stay with you and come back shortly, but we are going to take a breather for just a minute as we enter the final um, 10 minutes of the show today. Of course, we do hope you've had uh, an exciting time and a quite revealing time listening to us on this debut edition of the podcast for this FIFA World Cup. We'll be right back shortly. 
And they did the center around the talk of the town at the moment. That is the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. And uh, I've had the pleasure of having um, a number of um, reputable guests with me on the pod today. Timitayo Ojo is joining from the United States. Ufo Mike Bamono is joining from Lagos, Nigeria. Ejibiru made a cameo. Um, I'm, I'm very sure he will join in subsequent podcasts. And of course, we have Azubike Okechuku joining us from Istanbul, Turkey. So while I stay with Azubike, I want to ask um, a question too concerning these uh, issues in Qatar. Yes, two issues basically, which we know that footballers can hardly do without. Now, the, the first one, when the news first broke out around a couple of months ago that they wouldn't want to see a man standing with a woman in Qatar. So how do you think the players are going to react to this? Because in competitions like this, I know that uh, footballers are always permitted to have their spouses around. And uh, I remember even presently, you, you have your wife in, in Turkey with you. Uh, you know, so, and then they said no drinking of booze or, or anything or anything that has even one percent. This evening I was thinking, me that I, can, I cannot take more than Radla, two percent. So I, I I can't cope in Qatar as well. So how, how can that feel? On the parkway. So as we how will the players adjust to 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 these uh, particular pieces of news? <laughs> yeah, I think it um, really it will be difficult. It's going to be difficult anyway because. Um, I I I I've seen a lot of players who wants to, you know, take um, two three beers, you know, you know after every game, you know they will tell you, mm. okay, yeah. helps us to relax, helps us mm-hmm. to get better, you know. Mm. I've seen few of them also bring, you know, try to smuggle it into the dressing room. So after the game, <laughs> you take, you know, mm. you take two. You know, three, and then they will say, "Okay, now I am better. I can relax. I can go <laughs> home to my wife. You know, and then I can relax. You know, for the evening or whatever after the game." So right now, I, I think really it's gonna be difficult to stay without their spouses. You know, to stay without a lot of players, to stay without alcohol, especially after games. You know, it's it's difficult. Um, but you know, it's Qatar. You are going to a country. You know, it's like welcoming someone into your home. You know, when they come, you let them know these are the rules of my house, of, of my home, and they have to obey. So if you're going to the World Cup and um, you know it's Qatar, you know, this is the rules, this is what they want and what they don't want. We are humans in the end. We'll try to adjust. You know, the players, it's going to be difficult, like I said, but I think they will adjust. Everyone will have to adjust or get a way around it. But really, it's, it's not... It's not good. It's not good for for what is happening to the players because I know I know how it is. When you finish, you want to, you know, come to the house or go to the hotel room, and then you you're with your wife. You know, you are with one or two things that makes you happy, and you don't have to get it. You know, so it's difficult really. Mm. So let me bring it to for now who was in Doha less than a month ago, and of course. You you enjoy the life there. You've already given me a list of places I must attend. I must visit before coming back to Nigeria. 
how do you think you know my masses like me will will cope when when we get to do and and even with some of our friends that are there already um to be very honest i think i think it all of these um, restrictions have been blown out of proportion by um mm. they've really been blown out of proportion um i think the rule is that there's no public display of affection um whether it's, i think that's the rule um but you can as well you know um meet your spouse or your girlfriend or whoever it is you want to meet you know in the comfort of your room taking notes um, you know <laughs> uh, that, that's really not a problem as for as for alcohol i don't think that's going to be a problem for the players in their hotel rooms alcohol is sold or will be sold um you you might you might not it, it might not um be sold to you publicly or do we or be put in a receipt you know um so that uh, it doesn't come out but you can get alcohol i i did take a bit of alcohol not necessarily beer but you know wine with alcohol uh, in my mm-hmm. five four five days uh, uh in 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 doha um you know so i i think that that's been blown a little bit out of proportion if my memory mm. serves me right i think there some parks there are places where um tourists you know are allowed to um have whatever public display they want to if my memory serves me i'm, I'm not too certain of this now so let me not give wrong information you know but i know that that um um sukwa kids yeah the place i told you to go to you know i saw i yeah. saw a lot <laughs> of um 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 tourists europeans you know americans who had uh i don't know if the spouses girlfriends you know held hands and um i, I don't think there was any problem there so this question yeah, of sure. um, public display of affection um i think you know it's just possibly in public you can do whatever you want to do in the comfort of your of your room and it's not going to be um a problem. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. It's been a very nice time with you guys. So the final lap as we head to the home straight, I'm going to bring in the entire first. It's it's the prediction time. Um it's the World Cup in Middle East, the, the last 32 team World Cup, the last to be attended by some people's goals i think timitayo's goals is she the match center this one we know but yeah which goals eh 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 <laughs> I'm too Ronaldo. So we are we are too too on the pod then because I know who for my is a team Messi, I am team Messi as well. So who wins the World Cup is going is it going to be centered around these two goats? Let me start uh, by taking the predictions from the only lady among us um Timitayo will it be fulfilling for Cristiano Ronaldo or do you think it's Brazil as usual or where will the pendulum swing you know let's keep this straight but of you know emotion so uh, i like Ronaldo enough but i'm not giving it to portugal no <laughs> so oh. 
You know me, I'm going to give it a name. But um, honestly speaking, I believe it's going to be between a South American team and an European team. Now, the question always, is... Always. Huh? Yeah, it's always between those two. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, the question will now be which one. Um, of yeah. course, England makes a lot of noise. It's always coming home. It's always coming home. So let's see if they will take it this time, but I'm not putting my bet on them. So I'd rather go with either Netherlands or France. Because I've realized mm. that most times all this thing that you're looking to do big like Brazil or what have you, no, it wouldn't be so. Netherlands or France mm, is my country. It's going to be from Europe and from um, Latin America. I am beginning to think it might just be Ecuador or... <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, they really? can take it. Do you remember how France took it in Russia 2018? They wobbled all through, but did they get it? They did. Ecuador is not France. Mm-hmm. We said something about France. They wobbled all through, but they got it. Anyway, so that's all you can say. So Ecuador or Argentina took it simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least you are a magnanimous team, Ronaldo. That's cool. Yeah. You don't think he could win it. Um, so let me come to Foma. Um, you, 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 among the four of us, you've watched the most World Cup finals starting from 1990. So from I, I wanted to tap into your wealth of experience and look into those crystal balls. Which team do you think? Like, like Tim Tyler said, I'm also very skeptical. When everybody starts saying, ah, it's Brazil, it's Argentina, I, I become scared. My Lord, mm. which team should we look out for? Uh, to be very honest with you, um, I think this is, the, this is the first World Cup um, following that there's really no clear-cut favorite. Absolutely. Um, it's the, uh, first, it's uh, the first time you know, I can't remember a World Cup where going into it, you can't pick a, 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 a favorite. You mm. know, and that's because almost everybody, I, France would have been my number one pick to, to retain the title, um, if not for the key injuries they have. I think those injuries would, um, would you know, come into play. That's what I think. So I'm not, I'm not looking at France. Uh, my heart actually says Argentina. And this is not because I, 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 to be honest, I want Lionel Messi to win this World Cup. I think, I think he's probably earned the right to. Um, others might disagree, but that's what I think. Um, and the, the team Argentina has got coming into this World Cup are—they uh, are not as flamboyant as the other mm-hmm. Argentine teams I've seen in my lifetime, but they're efficient. Um, that's yeah. one thing they have going for them: very efficient. You know, there's no, you know, there's no time to do all that. Right now, just get the job done and get out. That's what they've been doing over the last um, um, one and a half year. So my heart wants them to. Will they? That's another question. But if if you ask me, between Argentina, Brazil, and I think Germany. So I don't know which of the Germans will turn up. Um, you could have the Germans that would play rubbish and get knocked out in the first round or second round. Or you could have the Germans that would, um, you know, just get by from the group stages and then hit the ground running when he gets to the knockout stages. So um, then Brazil, Brazil has also got the material. Um, I think they've got the players. I think they've got, yes, they may have lost to Argentina in South American uh, competition last year, but they've got 
you know, as, as much strength as Argentina and they've got Neymar. I think Neymar, this, this is probably going to be the World Cup where Neymar stamps his authority. Will he take them all the way? Well, I'm not so mm. sure, but I'm looking at Argentina, my number one pick, Brazil, and maybe Germany. All right, thank you very much. And um, let's move on to Azubike. Uh, yeah, Zufoma said something about his heart and then his head. So, Azu, you can tell us who you want or bet who you think can also win this competition. Um, Argentina, I, I would want um, Ronaldo to win. I would want Portugal to win because of Ronaldo. Yeah. But then I don't think they, they, they have the team that that will, win, that will win the World Cup. But they, they flogged us 4 0 last week. <laughs> I don't want to comment on that anyway, but <laughs> I think they, they have a good team anyway, but um, I don't mm. think it's a team that will win the World Cup. Um, mm. You know, but, but I'm going to say, as much as I don't want Messi to win, I think they are the favorite. They are, <laughs> like I said, an efficient team. You know, mm. you, you see their midfield. They have players that can that can run. They have players that can go with the ball. Their attack also is very good. The Brazilians, I I, I think they have they not like I think they have um, a lot of talent, a lot of good players. You know, but I don't think they will win the World Cup because you can see they they are defense. They are all attack, attack, attack. And then when you come to the defense. We we have an we have this Agba, you know, who plays for Chelsea. I don't say but then I yeah, cannot tell yeah, Thiago either. This is the World Cup, you know, you where you have a lot of players who want to do things, you have a lot of young players, you know, that mm. can run with the ball and all that. So I think for Brazil it's a no. But my favorite to win, Argentina. They will win. I think mm. I think they will oh. win. Yeah. All right. I've uh, been uh, defensive yeah, today. Yeah, what about you? You predicting at least three of us have Argentina in common. Why are you predicting? <laughs> Can you just um, allow me to allow it to pass me over because I'm the anchor for this night, right? Okay. I'll let it slide. So, yes, I would have loved to ask Azubiki another question, especially being a defensive midfielder. But I, I am so sure that question will come up. It's about defending and going to a major tournament with, with good defending and good defensive awareness. We, hopefully, we, you'll be able to join us one or two more times before the competition goes and runs to an end. I know it's not easy for you, but I do hope that you'll be able to oblige us. Um, with that, we, I'm so glad to tell you that we come to the end of today's Your Sports Memo podcast. It's been a very exciting time for me um, speaking with people from across continents. We are, we are one of my guests is from Africa here, one is from Europe, and one is speaking to us from the United States. So thanks so much, guys, for joining me. Um, final thoughts of Tim Tayo, Ojo, Nigerians will be glad to listen to you once again for the first time in five or six years or thereabouts. <laughs> Hope when I call you next time, you will oblige me. I'll be here. I've missed this so much, you know, but thanks for having me. And um, my final word would be where I started. Like, let's just enjoy the game, the beautiful game of football. Nothing unites the world, you know, more than that. Let's put aside the criticism and all that alcohol and what have you. Let's just enjoy, enjoy it. Because after COVID, people have been looking um, for a phone that will bring us together, like the Olympics and the World Cup. 
And above all, these athletes too, we should put them first. Just like what, um, as I said, they've been playing all year round. And if they take this opportunity to shine, maybe even get to the semis or probably the quarterfinal, it's a thing of joy. So I'm also looking for personal glory too, because I am so sure a lot of players, this is their breakthrough or their breakout moment. So I just want us to put the spotlight on the athletes, the players. Let's look out for those that would break out and their name would be registered, you know, in our minds, just like the likes of another Ronaldo, imagine another Messi, you know, Imagine, those are the um, players I personally is looking out for in this whole tournament. That's what I look out for um, in any major competition. Who is the breakout star? So I'll just encourage everyone to keep it on the athletes, the players who are giving their all. And let's just enjoy this football as a unite us all. That's my parting word. Thank you very much. And to my group head of news, Nigeria Info, <laughs> and international reformer, my family, the ever supportive reformer. Thank you Thank you for having me. I want to enjoy uh, the football for the next one month. I hope I do. All right. I promise you, you will. And then to my August guest in November, Azubiko Kechuku. Thanks so much. And um, sincere thanks to Madam Dimatu for giving you the permission to join us because it's around <laughs> 11 p.m. now in Turkey, right? Yes, it's 11. It's 11 now. I don't know. Yeah, and thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have uh, all of you, you know, to share my own view. So I, I enjoyed it today, so thank you very much. Thank you so much. And on behalf of my producer, Calvin Emeka Onwuka, who is the publisher of com, we want to thank you sincerely for your time. And hopefully you join us perhaps after the final round of first group games. After the first group games, after all the teams might have played their first group games, we come up with another pod. We do hope you listen up then. I am your sporting friend, the chief football writer for the platform, Fisayo Dairo. Hoping you enjoy the competition as my guest and myself, we also do. Bye-bye now. Yeah.